Hey guys, welcome back to the Rhythm Section, brought to you by The Mind Refinery. I'm Kyle Bodanis. For this episode, we dip back into the creative world of Kanye West with a look at Watch the Throne, his stadium rap collaboration with Jay-Z. We're going to dive deep into the album, its influence on hip-hop, and the blockbuster tour that took the world by storm. This episode was recorded earlier this year when we were trying to get our audio reps in, but I think you'll enjoy it. And if you do enjoy it, rate and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you have time, follow The Mind Refinery on social media. And now, here's the show. All right, here for part three of our epic deep dive into the creative world of Kanye West are Andrew Lanza, Mind Refinery Creative. Hey, hey. And Coburn Blair, the ever-talented. How you guys doing? So last episode, we looked at 808s and Heartbreak and my beautiful dark twisted fantasy like the likely the most influential period of his career where he imposed his will on the sound of pop music this episode we're going to look at watch the thrones which is his co- uh, collaboration with jay-z and Kanye west's protest record of sorts yeezus so let's start with watch the thrones guys what were our initial thoughts on this record fuck i i love it um I, I i think it's a great effort by these two i know there was like a kind of lukewarm reaction when they dropped ham um initially but honestly i i love ham there's a couple soft spot like a couple low points on the album that i'm sure we'll cover but uh overall i mean it's it's two titans at the top of their game collaborating and um what, what i like about it too is the, these guys like like uh jay and yay they were you know for pretty much this whole album they were in the room together they're not like collaborating over the internet and like sending each other files and shit like they were in hotel rooms and like recording studios like banging this shit out yeah i think uh i love this album i think it was them kind of reacting to drake which they had said like since uh they were kind of have felt like threatened in their positions of like superiority in the rap game um then you have them kind of touching on like current topics you know they're touching on like things that kind of occurred that year or like things that they were feeling uh maybe some of their fears uh going going forward and they're also playing with a lot of like new producers and playing with like sounds of the time like i think some of that kind of dates the record but you have like a lex luger and you have like two songs that kind of like sample dubstep or like the house music that was popular at the time so I know I love this album going back like one of my favorite concert experiences as well. Um, Hell yeah. Yeah, we're same. definitely going to get into that. Yeah, so I, I I love the record when it came out and I still think it stands the test of time today. Yeah, me too. I I, I agree with that. It's 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 definitely timeless and uh I know ho- hopefully one day we'll get to watch the throne too. The overall just bangerness of this kind of makes up for its soft spots i believe i think maybe you could probably scale back on a couple tracks i know like that was kind of actually uh one of the biggest criticisms like of the people who didn't think it was like too awesome um is that just there's a little bit of filler in it and i like i i love it like no church in the wild was the first song i heard on it and it was just I'm like, this is fucking sick. And the Frank Ocean contributions. I was gonna to this, say, I, I fucking love Frank man so yeah. much. His stuff on this is really good. Um mm-hmm. and I like the Made idea. Made in America too. Yeah, Made in America is my favorite track on it. We're like which I mean we can open this up into the uh our standout tracks. Made in America is my favorite because I kinda like how it's this look at the difficulty of making it in the United States, especially you know, for black people. 
And, you know, he talks about, like, Coretta Scott King and Martin Luther King and all these people, you know, Malcolm X, who came before and made it work despite, you know, massive issues, which is in contrast, well, not in contrast, but maybe a little more of a humble approach to the success they boast on this record, which is, you know, where they've, you know, N-Word in Paris, they they talked about it in, um, you know, I saw a Kanye West interview with it where he's talking about it's almost like they were using it to like laugh in the face of this like elite group who thinks that, you know, black people shouldn't be there. You know what I mean? And shouldn't be part of this. And I know in Jay-Z also said, you know, this whole thing is pushing against that idea of that. It's not good to like, you know, nice things if you're a black person and like the, the idea of being people make fun of the idea of being smart as if you're, no, not down and like he kind of was like you know we can be part of that whole we can be capitalist too if you will so like i i really really love this um otis was fucking amazing i love that and it's funny the dynamic between the two on this record because jay-z's you know the business runner who's like we got to try to be frugal and connie west is like we're gonna get these fucking samples i don't care if it costs hundreds of thousands of extra dollars and i love it I love how the themes of the record are really kind of transmitted into the live show as well. Especially like the idea of like no church in the wild, you know, and I, I loved it. I really, really enjoy it. What, what for you guys are some like standout tracks that really got you on this? Yeah. I think uh murder to excellence. You like can't really say. not mention. Um, obviously. So, so crazy. Yeah. Like, Otis, like uh, just the visuals for for Otis, like them chopping up the Maybach into like whatever, like kind of Mad Max inspired, like Road Warrior, yeah. directed by directed by Spike Jones. Yeah, Spike Jones. Um, so I don't know. There's a lot like Paris, I think obviously, but I think there's only like like on the version of the album that I still have on my like computer, iTunes. Like I just took up the track left off off of there because i don't ever need to yes. hear song i i agree i think i like i'm i'm like a casual beyonce fan at best but like that song is like a no-go for me even today i was listening to it again i'm like oh, it's, it's not worthy of how too. good people are on that uh, of the talent on that song yeah it's you know not like yeah. a bad song i don't think but it's not but good. No, it's beyonce jay and kanye you got there's another there's a whole other level you have to get to if you have those people yeah oh yeah i would say it's a, it's like one of the worst songs that all three of them have been a part of. <laughs> I completely agree. And I didn't really like the, the like Carter's record they released a couple of years ago. Um, yeah. I wasn't really into that, but this was, def- that's more, this is definitely uh part of it. Cause I mean, especially considering what Beyonce is going to do. I mean, she's do lemonade. It's gonna be crazy. Um, yeah. We need a better, we need a better Beyonce showing. As far as um, my favorites, definitely Paris, like just huge banger. But then, um, I don't know. It's 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 a little it's it's a little funny, but uh, who gonna stop me? Like honestly, that <laughs> that song gets me fired up. Um, just like the beat, like it's like a bit of a silly beat. It's like kind of over the top and a little out of place with the rest of the album. I feel like, but I don't know. I I I just really like that track. I think I think it's uh, there's some good bars on it, and uh, I mean, the hook is killer. Ham is the only one. I'm like ham. Lift off, and I don't like new. I like that him. Much. I don't. I don't like. I like him. I don't like. I love that like chanting epic chorus. Like I don't know. It's. I think that the title aptly describes the delivery. It's just too. It's too. 
not enough too much bombast, not enough substance. But I I but you know what though, man, honestly, this is a fucking great record. I thought that I thought that it got a little bit too much. You know, I I think it just got it got hammered a little bit too much. I thought it was really good. There's still songs in this that we're listening to to this day, and that for me is kind of the thing that really kind of is what is important that people are still listening to these tracks and i do think it sounds dated but i'm still dipping in and listening to these and if these songs are coming on the radio which they do i'm not turning well i think like you have like rizza on there you have uh q-tip uh obviously kanye west uh, productions there and then you have like like you know they sample like flux pavilion um they sample a cassius record on why i love you uh, so some of the, some some of the, those tracks do sound dated, but some of them are super timeless and, and like stand out and like you know would fit in on something today. And I think it's also hard because this record is in the shadow of Dark Twisted Fantasy. Like this is a record that's something like nine months or like eight months after that. So, and some of the songs were recorded at the same time too. So, yeah, I think there's always uh, when you put out a records like 808 and then My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy you have to try to compete with yourself. And I think that's probably the hardest thing for, um, you know, songwriters, musicians of Kanye West caliber, right? It's like, how are you going to live up to the previous things that you've done and you're setting your own? And that's why I kind of think it's ingenious that his previous records kind of have always kind of set the tone of what he was going to do next, especially in the early part of his career, whereas it kind of is deviating from that a little bit here where there's more wild experimentation where there's more just we're going to do whatever the fuck we want. And I like, I, I enjoy that. Now I want to like thematically, there's some huge differences of this, the term luxury rap thrown at this album. Thematically, what do we think is the big differences between the previous, the previous works? Well, <clears throat> I mean, this album, my, my, I think my biggest critique of this album is, um, to, to put it bluntly, it's a little bit up its own ass. Um, like the whole like luxury rap thing, like, like yeah, like we get it. Like you're you're like like you're elite. Um, at least they're saying some other stuff, not just that they're elite. But I don't know, like the whole like um, like from a visual standpoint, the design of it. I know when the um, the album dropped on vinyl, it was like over two hundred bucks at stores just for wax and cardboard you know what i mean like it's it's a sick layout and shit but i don't know i just felt like at times it, it, it went a little bit overboard with with the whole quote luxury rap type type thing um i mean i have no like i like there, I, I can't uh relate to that at all you know what i mean so yeah i think this this album is almost like a love letter to like black capitalism and like now i think post this album they're both like technically billionaires or or forward kind of place them there so you know you have jay-z kind of doing his art talk and i think in the kind of collection of jay-z albums that were coming out this time like this blows like blueprint three and magna carter like completely out of the water that's um, what i was gonna ask. so but before jay-z's album before this was blueprint thing three right yeah okay the magna carta was was it 12 was it just after like yeah, it was after just after this, because I think um, Holy Grail was recorded during these sessions, which would yeah, go on to that's, uh, that, uh, the single for Magna Carta. Yeah, I think, you know, it's it's funny interesting you mentioned that, because I think that's getting to kind of a, you know, a mediocre period for Jay-Z. 
And I mean, that's what happens though. You know what I mean? Like you want to stay relevant and you're putting out music, but maybe you're not, you know, at the top of your game. I don't know. Like, do we think Jay-Z even at this point is capable of another big one? Or do we think that that like lightning in a bottle period of his time has passed? Well, I think what's kind of difference, the difference between Jay-Z at this time is that like from this album, some of the themes that he touches on on this album, like kind of going forward in, in his life, kind of aging up, talking about like what like him having kids might look like. Those albums are kind of come back full circle on 444, which I think is one of Jay-Z's best albums. So I think he, those themes don't really kind of, they weren't as prevalent in Blueprint 3 or Magna Carta, but then they came back around in 444 and also like the kind of the arc of his black capitalism kind of narrative uh, that's like first introduced on this album or like kind of is thematic on this album. It's interesting because if you, if you mentioned 444, because I really enjoy 444. Um, mm-hmm. My, like if you were to take four like time stamps of jay-z's career i would take reasonable doubt blueprint black album and 444 and say this is jay-z and i believe that that would accurately reflect what he's doing so i like it was good that he put that out also like the collab with damian marley on that bam i fucking love um it's it's so good and also like i think with that record is it's and maybe this is the problem with this one is it's that record is extra personal right and that's oh super personal right and that's the kind of stuff where that's why like black album too because like december 4th you're hearing about like he's telling the story about him when he was born and his parents and his life and like that's what i want mom and everything exactly and that's what i want to hear from jay-z because like he's a storyteller you know what i mean he's the best when he's storytelling and i think they both are but jay-z is one of the best storytellers of our time and I think that he's able to take people to what that is and watch the Thrones doesn't have that element. And that was a big criticism of it as well is the, the two big ones were album length and, you know, these guys aren't telling stories like they normally do. It's more boasting. Obviously the, I mean, the cultural importance of it in terms of like outlining black success and, you know, the, a more successful place for black people in capitalism is important i think it's more along the lines of the execution like it doesn't it doesn't really hit on how important that idea is yeah i i totally agree as far as your question can jay make you know another album you know another big album i fucking hope so man like i i would love to hear another like really good album from that guy who knows if it's going to happen how long was 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 four 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 the was it was his last one or I guess the Carters but like I think it's two thousand sixteen four 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 yeah I think that was the last solo that was yeah two thousand seventeen okay I just two thousand seventeen I, um, I think Jay might have more too to say in like this political climate um that like because like four 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 was like the end of the Obama era so I think he might have something more to say in this climate that might fit his kind of narrative and his rise very true very yeah, true post first black president and then looking at what the condition is for black people still in the united states so like that's a big because that's big that's a lot of what people are talking about right now is that everyone thought that when that happened that everything was going to be kind of work out but it's like this there's 
still the issues and you know i i think the whole it's you know when you and when you listen to 444 i see though he really gets on these ideas about like the need for wealth in the black community and stuff like that like i think that is what should be injected into here like there is a cultural impetus for it you know what i mean and a societal impetus for it and i think that that's more what I think people were lacking in this, whereas 444 really kind of looked at that and really, really spoke about that and was unabashed about, do, you know, talking about it. Yeah, I think I'd agree. But back to Kanye, what would you say, like, Kanye is saying on this album? Because I think there's a bit of a difference between what Kanye and Jay-Z are saying on Watch the Throne. I think Jay-Z's kind of leaning towards, like, you know, like, when he talks about merch excellence, like, when you see me, see you, like, see, like, wealth and, and he's kind of like powered the people he's kind of talking about like what black excellence is and i think sometimes kanye becomes a bit personal on the album but he's also still at a very hedonistic kind of phase in his career um mm-hmm. in, in terms of like the subject matter of like the last two albums so i think there's a bit of a contrast between what they're both talking about that's actually a really good point they're at definitely you know they're at because he's kind of the big brother you know jay-z and um they came from very different places so and I think that along, you know, even from a thematic standpoint for both of their albums, for, you know, the, the breadth of their careers, it kind of really shows the contrast um, between it. And Kanye West is still going with that thing where he's only right now, you know, in the last few years, three years from this time, evaluating what the bad parts of fame and, you know, celebrity and all these kind of things. Whereas before it was like the it was the ambition. So, but with this, he's starting to evaluate yet, but there's still, you're right. That hedonistic idea of it. You know what I mean? And I think like a track like murder to excellence is really will kind of contrasts, you know, you, you definitely within that between their verses and stuff, you know, see the difference between the two and like where they're at from a career standpoint. But yeah, I mean the luxury rap thing, you know what I mean? Do you think it, it effectively describes this style or do you think that it's like a media concoction? I think luxury rap is is a good way to describe this, and I think it was it's the subject matter of sometimes like what Jay Z's talking about in, in art, um, like the real keys and stuff like that. That you know the average person doesn't really know what those things are or necessarily care unless they're maybe an art major or like into like fine art or high art. And then also like the act of taking like a two hundred thousand dollar car in the video for otis and whatever but then you know they donate it to, to charity which is like obviously a very noble thing but i think for most people they kind of lost touch on this album so i think a lot of people kind of felt like they couldn't relate to the, the themes of this album yeah that's definitely what i felt i felt disconnected from it for sure like from a musical standpoint i, I can enjoy it and i can you know listen to what they're saying and i, I can enjoy it but i i mean I, I I have no I, I can't relate to it. What do you think about the collaboration with Jay Z in terms of them working together? You know, from their work together over the course of their career, is this like is this the highlight or is this the most constructive use of that collaboration? Or is there other areas where you really kind of see what they're capable of together? I would say if you were to ask me what the highlight is um i don't know i would have to probably say i think it kind of like i think it's monster on um beautiful dark twisted fancy even though you have other people on it i don't know i just feel like 
that's like so such a huge J verse and like such a huge Kanye verse. But yeah, I mean, I, I think that this is probably like other than that, like the standout project. They've been working together since the beginning, so it's kind of it's kind of hard to to pick one. Lucifer, that's that's a that's a great track. Yeah, Lucifer's amazing. Oh, I love that. <laughs> I, I would say like Jay, like Kanye and Jay Z. Obviously, the blueprint is like some of their best, like kind of Kanye production and and Jay rapping, and like that's like mm-hmm. you know part of the prime of Jay Z's career, um, and like the first prime of his career. But on this, I think you have Kanye getting the best of this era's Jay-Z and I don't think too many people were getting like this quality Jay-Z at this time. So I think this is like the height of it. Cause you have, I think before this is obviously Dark Twisted Fantasy. And then there's a period where they're not like collaborating like outwardly as much. And then uh, before that it's like late registration. Cause I don't think Jay-Z shows up on the two for like 808s or graduation. I'm going to ask this. Do you think that they work best together when they are on equal footing or when another person is supporting the other? I think that's a great question. Uh, I think if I had to like boil it down, I'd probably say my favorite works are when Jay-Z's kind of at his peak and Kanye's kind of trying to get on like Blueprint or like Black Album, his contributions there. But I would say this might be the zenith of their collaboration. And I think it's withstands the test of time and their collaborations like before this and after i think this is like a peak yeah i I, i'd have to agree but um like i like the dynamic of them both being like both stamping their name on the album you know what i mean whether like if it's a kanye album or if it's jay album um there's a different dynamic depending on whose album it is but like with this album they're like you know kind of on equal footing so i feel like they're almost kind of like trying to like you know almost one up each other the whole time there's definitely some uh some healthy competition or maybe at times maybe not so healthy but uh there's definitely competition on the album and i i think that kind of um they they like sharpened each other's uh skills and and honed each other's art just by you know having that competition going well that's the goal is that something like this you know, it brings up the competition brings up the best, you know, it's supposed to bring up the best in people. I think, I think for me, it's to quote Lauren Hill, two MCs can't occupy the same space at the same time. Uh, it's against the law of physics. And I think that I, I, I personally feel that their best work together is always when one of them is in support of the other, because I think they're so wild i think that there may be it's weird because i I do enjoy this record but it's almost like i don't think you'll ever be able to utilize the best of both of them at the same time unless you know they have their own space to fulfill their own narrative who would you say performs better on this album from 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 what standpoint from from an mc standpoint yeah lyrically maybe i think oh man jay you always got to give it to jay Jay, i feel like yeah, like it's like hard because Jay's like, a better rapper. He's a better rapper. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah, and and he can just spit it off, you know, off off the cuff kind of thing. But yeah, I mean, yeah, um, there's almost no competition when it comes to like the rapping. But when when you compare everything else versus, it's like maybe from like a technical standpoint and like a producing standpoint. Obviously, then you'd have to give it to Kanye. But uh, yeah, I mean, I they they each brought their own thing to the table. Not to say that Kanye didn't go hard. Like there, he has he has some bars on this album. Don't get me wrong. No, absolutely. Yeah, I agree with that. Like he, he is 
like he's he, it's not that he isn't good like if you were to let out who's a better you know set up who's a better, better rapper obviously it's jay-z but who has the bigger artistic vision is clearly kanye west that's why like on paper for me that. that's that's yes. why for me like jay like kanye west brings in collaborators jay-z requires the collaborators you know what i mean like he like yeah. they, they fuel like for example blueprint without kanye west doesn't sound anything like it does you know what i mean so i i think more you know that on paper this was good it's like a super team in sports but it didn't it didn't completely pan out but what it did have which i think everyone expected was bangers you know like you you are literally getting the most commercial radio friendly aspects of these two guys put together yeah i would say so Uh, i feel like there's also like you have like commercial records, but there's not like one record that I think like obviously like Paris and Otis like charted well and stuff, but I don't think there's a record that's like sounds like it was made for the radio. Yeah, I I agree with that. Yeah. I mean maybe Otis. Otis and like maybe like to a lesser extent Ham, even though it was kind of rejected, I can see that that's what they're kind of, you know, trying to tap into. No Church in the Wild for me is one that's following along like Jesus walks and diamonds where it's like the this widescreen epic i I, like i i think it's a statement it's why i all i think like the first i enjoy like there's tracks like in the second half i enjoy the first half of the record the most you know they kind of come out hard and you know they kind of set a tone and an idea going forward i just don't think that they kind of fulfill it i like that they I, i mean like for me like i think some of these also built for a stadium you know what i mean like this is like no church in the wild is big it's a big song. It's, you know, it's, there's a grandeur to it. And, you know, I kind of want to move into that. Like, what did we, th- we all went to watch the Thrones. Like, what do we think about it? Like, what do we think about it from the spectacle standpoint? You got, you guys saw it at ACC? Yeah. yeah. First night or, first night or second night? First night. Same. First night too. Yo, Kyle, I knew you at the time. I guess we just, like, I didn't we, know that you, you didn't we, just know me. We were friends at the time. We yeah, but how do we not, but I, how do we not know we were both going to the show? I don't know. I feel that way. I have no idea. I don't know. I think, you know what? Maybe that was second semester of first year where we were in different classes where it's like we didn't like lose touch, but we weren't like seeing each other every no, day. No, this was I after this was after school. Oh yeah. That's right. This was after school. That's yeah. why it's I that's why it's all that's why it's all screwy. Uh, it was after school. This tour I, was in two thousand twelve, I think, because it came yeah, out. Yeah, right, right, right. Right. I think it was I think it was two thousand twelve. Coburn, do you remember when in the year this took place? The tour? It was I can't remember. Winter. I think it was winter time. Because the record sure. came out yeah. in the summer of two thousand eleven, I'm pretty sure. And then they toured it and then Fuck, they I'm, came I'm, here. I'm I'm Googling this. Yeah, we got um, But in terms of live shows, like what did you guys think about it? With without hyperbole, um November twenty third, two thousand eleven. Okay, yeah. Anyway, so I was cooking. Um, I was cooking. I came down to okay. see the show. Now I remember. Like without hyperbole, and like we say, like literally, I've seen well in my lifetime, well over a hundred concerts. I I'd be hard pressed to say it'd be less than two hundred, but this was the best concert I've ever seen in my life. From a showmanship standpoint, from a from a stage design standpoint, from a performance just literally like everything i i it's also not only is it the best show i've ever seen it's hands down the most ex- minus like um festivals it's the most expensive show i've ever seen 
um i went the first night i spent i think me and my buddy for nosebleeds we spent like 250 bucks and while we were at like before the show um his girlfriend's friend or something said they had tickets for the next day for us if we wanted but they would be another 250 bucks and it was that good that i i didn't do it but i seriously considered spending another 250 bucks to see that same show again the next night it was Uh, yeah i think that's why i had had a hard time remembering from what first night or second night because i remember i had an offer for another set of tickets and i can't remember like i know i didn't do it both nights but i was like seriously considering it because it was just worth it my girlfriend at the time bought me the tickets because we had a fight I now remember. Um, <laughs> and I, it was good, too. I had fucking... I wasn't... I was uh, not floors or, like, lower... I was, like... Oh, I was this, nosebleeds. I was fucking I nosebleeds. was, like, in between nosebleeds and, like, the lower part. So I was, like... I guess if this was 300 level, I can't even... Um, if I'm speaking in hockey terms, I had reds. This is... If I was to say, you know, what are the best... What is the best collaboration between the two that I'm more looking at now that I think of it, this stage show because this wasn't disappointing you you got like not only do you have the album which is you know pretty much all bangers but then you have like a solid best of of each artist and like you have them doing each other's parts and each other's songs and stuff like that like you know what i mean it was like he played stronger like you know what i mean like it was it was intense like that's kind of the thing that like did you guys expect them to play as much of their own catalogs as you thought well, like yeah, I, was, I mean, the album's only so long. They'd have to fill, you know, the rest of the show up. I, I, I was, I, that's pretty much what I was expecting as far as like each of their own catalogs go. Yeah, I, I don't know. I was blown. I was just blown away. I was just like shock and awe the whole time, just like watching the the stage like change and the light show and like just yeah, the stages. Songs. I remember hearing about how many times they would they would do Paris and other cities and like kind of like in anticipation to it come to Toronto. How many times did they do it? Three times? I think they did it three times on our show on the first night. I feel like they did it more than three. I think it was like, I want to say like six times or something the first. I was feeling good that show. I I had, you know, taken some things before that concert. And uh, (laughs) yeah, it it worked out. It worked out quite nicely. It was, uh, it was a feast for the eyes. The, uh, the, the, the light show. And just like, I remember there was like one point where like Jay was rapping I can't remember what song it was because, I mean, it's been, what, it was 2011. So this was, like, nine years ago now. Uh, but Jay's rapping. And I remember there's these, like, strobing, like, lasers going over top of him. And it looked like he was a literal fucking, like, graffiti painting, but on a stage. And, I, like, my mind couldn't understand how they were doing it. Like, there were so many things that, that were just so, so, so well done. I love, like, that, the razor concert. I feel like there was a part where Kanye was kind of, like, almost in the crowd. And he was on, like, this, like, raised up. And uh, Jay was rapping behind him, and then they kind of like swished. I don't know, but the grass yeah. and the whole stage design was just like absolutely mind blowing. Yeah, this they each is... had their own raise. They each had their own like own like giant stage riser things with like giant LCD screens bordering the fucking state, like the risers, and they were playing like sharks and fucking yeah ta- jaguars and shit. That's yeah. what I liked about it. It's like when they, it's like you know, like oh, is that dude, all I the imagery? It. I think that maybe it's just that like a studio isn't the proper size to take all of like to contain to them. contain them yeah yeah Good that point. you need that you need a fucking huge stage for them to truly a coexist, huge grandiose coexist together because yeah I, 
Yeah. But I think like as much as it's luxury rap, it's also like stadium rap. Yes. This, like, I think that's yeah, a more appropriate, yeah, I think that's more like, appropriate term, to be honest with you. Yeah. yeah. I agree with that. I agree with that. I wish I could see it again. Like, is there was there I know like Paris is like concert footage. Is there like a full taping of any of the shows? Like, did they ever put that out? I would love to see that. No, I would buy like a DVD or Blu-ray or whatever to see that though. That'd be amazing. They didn't put out yeah, a like live a prof- cut of this? Like a professionally sh- like a professionally shot, you know, I'm sure Kanye would get like some like French cinematographer to shoot it or something like that. But uh he called, yeah, he called no, I- Godard just to direct it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. See, it's not even the probably still out there somewhere. Oh, for sure. It is ex- oh, 100%. It's there. 100%. If they, they have Michael the Jordan tour. footage, if they have Michael Jordan footage just sitting in someone's basement, for then they have fucking Connie is definitely saving the footage. She's probably like, make sure you get all of that. Make sure you get all of that. I don't even know if we're going to release it, but make sure you get all of it. This, when we talked in the first part about the size of which Kanye West wanted to do his stage performances and what he was talking about, this is the zenith of it. This is the, this is it. Like, this is all of it together, smashed in together, Givenchy record, friggin' cover, like, the state, like, just the design, you know, the way the LEDs were set up, the the double risers, everything they were doing, it feels like this was a moment that Kanye West had kind of been preparing for. Yeah, I think I would agree, and, like, I think, I don't think this is an album that, like, can exist within a vacuum and like it's like the accumulation of all of Kanye's work and kind of like his even like when he talks about like Big Brother on that song like this is kind of like you know like the physical manifestation of that song of him like you know kind of ascending to the same level as his brother so what about the other collaborations on this album like what else what other ones stood out to you you know beyond obviously you know the Jay-Z Kanye West thing well, we we talked about it before, but but like the like the two Frank Ocean tracks, um, I think really stand out to me. This is uh, Frank's coming off of ne- uh, Neon. I mean, um, Channel Orange. Channel it Orange. Not, it's before Channel Orange. It's it's a year before Channel Orange. Actually, this was before Channel Orange. This is before really? Channel Orange. Yeah, because this is just um, coming off of his mixtape and like kind of the Odd Future stuff. Yeah. So people. Oh right. Uh, what's what, what was the mixtape called? Nostalgia Ultra. Yes. Nostalgia Ultra. That's what I was thinking of. Thank you. Um, yeah, so he was coming off Nostalgia Ultra. That's actually, I had it back asked for That's exactly what I was thinking of. Okay, cool. Yeah, so that, that's fucking dope that um, that they're putting him on like that. Um, just off like the mixtape. But uh, yeah, I don't know. For, for me, I think that's probably, those are probably my favorite collabs on, on the album. I'm just pro more Frank Ocean at any time. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I think for me, like Lex Luger having him on there even though i don't love him the most like it was kind of a moment for him and it, it was like the beat was reminiscent of like you know he was doing rick ross and waka flocka at the time so his sound was kind of everywhere so like them kind of tapping him to have him on here but also like just 88 keys like the neptunes are on here no ids on here who would go on to do 444 q-tips on here uh rizza and you have like an a girl early south side like and then swiss beats i think he has two beats on here mm-hmm. um obviously welcome to the jungle and i think he had a hand in producing um another record as well but i don't know i think the, the production like just scaled the whole thing up like to a different level as well yeah and also even like down to the samples you know what i mean like the, the flux pavilion sample 
the Otis Redding, I mean, having to sample it so much that you have to credit him. That's, yeah, he's featured. That's, it's a feature, so uh, it's pretty crazy. Uh, I thought the Flex Pavilion sample is pretty deft. That was on uh, Who Gonna Stop Me, yeah? Yeah, Who Gonna Stop Me, yeah. yeah. I thought that was I thought it was a really good sample. And then I think, like, uh, LaRue's on here. I think she's singing somewhere on on this or her name's ellie or whatever but yeah i think she's on here singing as well this also record also kind of like provides a good interlude into the next kind of situation too like i mean we've been kind of at the end of all these records looking at like where he is after this and i mean it's a massive tour it's huge uh the album is still huge despite you know not being i mean but also like with Kanye West Records, the only really place to go is down Well, after, you know, Twisted Fantasy. So, I mean, at some point you're going to come to Earth. Although for him, it's not really that much coming to Earth. So, I don't know. Like, how do you think this sets him up moving forward? Or is this just kind of like an interlude? Is this just a thing he did? Why did he do this? Yeah, I would say, um, I would say this is almost an aside uh, to what Kanye was doing because it feels like so different and so like it's so much more grandiose i think than uh it's weird because this album owes a lot to dark twisted fantasy but also feels kind of far removed from it in a lot of ways it feels it's a like lot cleaner i feel like cleaner, it's a lot yeah. yeah it's very it's a very clean it's very polished it's very produced. Not to say that Dark Twisty Fantasy, um, beautiful Dark Twisty Fantasy wasn't produced, obviously. But this is just a very, like, very, I don't know, that's the best way to describe it. It's like very clean. It's a very clean album. I think that's a good note because one thing that I like about Kanye West is he's, even though he is, you know, a producer, a world-class producer, he's still able to leave the blemishes on pieces of music where yeah. it doesn't sound too slick he doesn't he won't overdub vocals five times when it's not necessary but he will where it is and i think he's really good at understanding where if something is not perfect at a certain point that it actually improves the record and adds a character adds character yeah he can leave that roughness in when when he needs to okay guys before we move on what i wanted to do is i want to talk about what do we feel the influence of this record is how did this record affect what happened afterwards especially the idea of Big double headlining tours, the collaboration records, hip hop duos. Did it have some? Did it have an effect, or is this imagined? What do we think? I think this album, like, you can't understate this album's influence. Like, obviously, hip hop is a collaborative art form, but I think in the wake of this album, you have some like a group like Run the Jewels in 2013. Then you have uh, Drake and Future kind of pairing off together to do What a Time to Be Alive, and then to kind of continue their work. Um, and in the last like three years, you have like Huncho Jack, which is like Quavo and Travis Scott. You have Young Thug uh, paired off with Chris Brown, and he's paired off Mad with Madlib and um, uh, Freddie Gibbs. But, yeah, yeah, exactly. And then and then Alfredo. Like, I love the name of that record. <laughs> that record is amazing. It is so good, like, Lanza. If you haven't heard Alfredo by Freddie Gibbs and Madlib, I have not. I have not. First of all, best cover ever. It's like a puppet with a bowl of fettuccine alfredo like it's like strings like a puppet or like the godfather fucking thing and then it's just a bowl of fettuccine alfredo <laughs> okay, is... i got it I'll, I'll be listening to this tomorrow uh you're gonna get a text to me tomorrow from me tomorrow being like yo what was that album and that's the one i'm talking about yeah the the future and g and uh the future and drake 
uh, example is really good because that's a that's a direct like. I mean, even kind of look at the cover. Yeah, like the cover is also like very like reminiscent of the album, and which is fair because like Drake influenced this album getting made, so I think it kind of all comes full circle there. But then like Kanye like- and Jay Z kind of take this idea and they run off to do like the Carters and Kitsy Ghost both like without each other with a new collaborator. Yeah, I was definitely going to mention that. But it's almost like uh, kind of like Beatles and uh, Beach Boys going on with the uh, influencing back and forth. Yeah. And then you have the Rolling Stones just trying to be wizards because the Beatles were wizards and shit. <laughs> the fucking stealing. It's so funny. I, I watched this I watched this uh, documentary and it was just talking about how like every time the Beatles did something, uh, the Rolling Stones, the Rolling Stones ended up doing it. Um, I, yeah, it's it's interesting that comparison because... You know, this idea of influencing back and forth and, you know, Coburn, you mentioned how this was them kind of looking at Drake and being like, we got to take a, you know, we got to strike back almost and, you know, reassert supremacy. And it's almost like that is the best, like, that's the, I feel like music gets really good when you're doing that, when there's this one upsmanship you know and yeah it's that competition we were talking about exactly. yeah and it's interesting because when we because we talked about some of the failings of this record but then when i think of you know what time to be alive it's like it kind of makes more sense those two talking like this you know what i mean yeah like the luxury rap makes sense for drake and future like i don't i don't feel like it's out of place for them for these guys i do feel it's a little bit out of place yeah i would say too like when everything this record kind of influenced, like there's some like good, some stuff that like still kind of has existed to this day. But I think a fatigue kind of set in around like 2018 or 2019 of these like duo albums. Cause people, they, everyone was just doing them at, at that point And it didn't feel as special as Watch the Throne did. Cause Watch the Throne at the time was like, oh, like these guys are coming together. Like two of like my favorite rapper and my other favorite rapper doing an album. And then it was like, a bunch of people started to do those albums. And they're like, oh, well, I don't really want to hear you know x and y together like i don't care that much anymore that's also that's a really good point too because you get that friggin like super advanced consumer capitalism part of the music industry where something an idea comes up then it goes through its generational you know iterations until it's so oversaturated that it gets spit out and that this is a good example of this and 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 that's the big thing all those other collaborations don't have is how special this is and how much of a uh, of an event this was Thank you so much for doing this. Uh, I appreciate your time, and uh, we'll talk to you soon.